0: Hi, guys, and welcome to Soxology, the podcast where we dive deep into all things Chicago White Sox. I am your host, Mike, and in this episode, we will be recapping the thrilling series against the Cleveland Indians, where the White Sox came out victorious, winning two out of three games. We'll dive into all the signature moments and key performances that made this series a memorable one. And we're also going to shift our focus to the upcoming series against the Detroit Tigers, a four game set starting tonight. We'll discuss the potential for the Sox to carry their momentum from Cleveland and make a statement in Detroit. It's incredible to see how the Sox have closed the gap in the division standings. Uh, Currently, they sit just five and a half games out of first place, which is quite remarkable considering the challenging start they had in April. With a record of 21 and 29 on the year, we are hungry as fans for their continuous climb up the standings. So sit back, relax, and get ready for another exciting episode of Soxology. Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023, and this is another episode of Soxology. It is episode number 23, and this is your host, Mike Hartung. I am alone tonight, Uh, My father and I had some scheduling conflicts, so you guys are lucky enough to listen to me for the rest of this episode. You know, It's going to be a pretty quick episode tonight, guys. I'm going to make it relatively quick. I'm going to bring up some topics that I would like to discuss with myself, Um, but first I'm just going to talk about the Sox, man. They are five and a half games out of first place as I record this episode. That is insane to think about since they had a horrendous start to the season. Uh, this is a team that in April was 7-21 and before that great walk-off win. It was a comeback win against the Tampa Bay Rays at the end of the month in April. At that point, before that game, I lost all hope. They were 7-21. and I was at that game that Saturday, April 29th, where Lance Lynn was absolutely shoving, pitching very well, and the Rays scored 10 runs in the seventh inning to continue that very bad losing streak that the Sox were on. It was such a bad brand of baseball. I was embarrassed to be there. I lost my phone that day. Uh, Thank God, because they started winning, so I should lose my phone more often. But, man, Dad and I talked about the trade deadline in early May a little bit, talking about what pieces the Sox have, who who could they trade, uh, Lucas Giolito, you know, maybe Tim Anderson. We're talking about all that type of stuff. And since that Rays loss, or since, yeah, since that loss to the Rays, that the game I was at on April 29th, the White Sox are 14 and nine, bringing the record to 21 and 30. And man, they are currently losing right now 5 to 2 to the Detroit Tigers. It's the top of the seventh inning as I record this, but. Obviously, there's still time left in the game, uh, but it would be nice for them not to lose this game, especially after the, the momentum that they have going into it. Uh, but, man, I think what we could take away from them playing well as of late is that we're super happy the White Sox play in the AL Central. Every single White Sox fan should feel that way. The division is piss poor, and it's hilarious. I mean, the division leading Minnesota Twins are 26 and 24. Okay. They would be tied for fourth place in the AL East. Uh, Toronto's been on a big slump lately. They're 26 and 25. But every other team in the AL East is either tied with the Twins or or higher. So that's how bad this division is. Uh, the Detroit Tigers are in second place with the 22 and 25 record. Uh, they're two and a half games back. They're five and five in their last ten. The Guardians have been bad in their last ten. They're three and seven in their last ten. Uh, their win and loss record: they're twenty-one and twenty-eight. The White Sox are twenty-one and thirty. Like I mentioned, they are five and a half games back as I record this episode. And the Kansas City Royals are fifteen and thirty-six. They are very, very bad. They are the second worst team in all of baseball. So, just to kind of preface a little bit of what I mean by this division's really bad. I know obviously the standings and the records tell the story, but man, the twins have been hurt. I, their lineup is decimated. Joey Gallo's out. Nick Gordon broke his shin. Carlos Correa has plantar fasciitis, which is bad for your feet. And he's had lower extremity issues. Um, as we all know, if we follow, um, you know, the game a little bit and not just the White Sox, uh, he, you know, was signing Carlos Correa signed with a couple of teams on the off season. They found out he had a bad leg, bad ankle, and they go, Nope, we are going to withdraw our, <laughs> our money that we were going to give you guaranteed. And they were both like $300 million contracts because uh, they said he failed his physical. So uh, he being hurt for the twins is not a good thing, but their pitching is keeping them in this uh, race here and, and in the, in the lead. so, That's something that none of us really thought was going to happen, Uh, but the Minnesota Twins, they are a good pitching team at this point in time that could absolutely change as we get more into the season in June, July, and August, hitting the dog days of the summer. Uh, The Cleveland Guardians, we just saw them play the White Sox. They are not good. Um, Even with Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor, I really don't think they're scary at all. Normally, the thing with the Guardians is that their pitching is normally very good. And they just don't have that this year. They've also been bitten by injuries. No Tristan McKenzie's there, uh, but he's hurt. Uh, and and you know, Shane Bieber's mainly their guy. And Savale, he hasn't pitched that well. And also the guy that we just saw, uh, Quantrill, he he was he was very bad against the Sox, and they they won the game that he started. So good for the Sox, bad for the Guardians. The Detroit Tigers, they are better than we thought, but they are still not good. We'll kind of dive into what they bring to the table at the end of this episode. And the Royals, like I said, they're very bad. And the Sox have just faced them uh, pretty often the last couple weeks. And the Sox are still in fourth place. So they're not a good team either. Uh, They're starting to climb out of it. But let's hope that they don't lose a few games here to Detroit just to, you know, ruin all of this momentum that they have going into this series. Little Sox news right now. uh, Liam Hendricks almost back very close. They think he'll probably come back. I'm thinking probably Monday Memorial Day or shortly after that he's looking good, but they just want to make sure that he is Liam Hendricks when he's back and not just a major league pitcher. They want him almost close to what he can bring to the table um, on a regular basis. And still his story is remarkable beating stage four non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, It is great to see him back. And it will be great to see him on the mound at guaranteed right field. There's going to be a lot of emotions for the fans and especially him and his family. I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be absolutely electric when he gets out there. And let's hope that the Sox are in a position where he is out there with a lead and he can get a save. That would be absolutely outstanding. And uh, it won't just be white Sox news. It will be national news. And it'll be a great thing to see. Aloy Jimenez is getting into a rehab assignment in AA. I think he just got activated down there yesterday. Uh, he is actually coming back from an appendicitis, if you guys don't remember that, that happened during the Red Series in Cincinnati. He said he was in so much pain, he thought he was going to die. And of course, uh, appendicitis, you can die if you leave it in there. So that is not bad analysis from Aloy Jimenez. But yeah, it's going to be great to have him back. I think that, you know, George and I have talked about. What's going to happen when he comes back is, you know, is he going to play right field? Is he going to DH? I know the manager for the White Sox, Pedro Grafal, he said he's going to play more right field just because Jake Berger was hitting well. But since he made that comment, Jake Berger has not been hitting well, and he did not hit well really at all during the Cleveland series uh, against the Guardians. And that was not really a cause for concern. Of course, he was hitting on the road and last episode I talked about him and Gavin sheets their home splits versus their road splits. It's insane how much these guys how much better these guys hit at home at guaranteed rate field than they do on the road. Um, Jake Berger man he he struck out five times in a game against the Guardians this week so again games like that can happen but I still don't understand what they're doing differently at home versus on the road. I think that's crazy, but it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I bet Aloy plays uh, right field and then Berger and Sheets kind of get a little platoon. And then if they need to put Sheets in right field, then Aloy at DH and kind of mess with those three guys. But it's not bad to have those three bats moving around as long as they're hitting. And if one of them starts, if two of them hit and one of them doesn't, you can play those two until they're not going good anymore and switch it around. So I think they have a good problem. Uh, with those three guys and another piece of news, Luis Robert jr. Who left the game uh, during the guardian series, he's not hurt badly. He's actually playing today. So that's a really good sign. I think we were all gasping when he was at second base and they had to pull him from the game uh, when he was running the bases. So it is very good to see him back. And obviously he has been one of the hotter hitters in all of baseball in the month of may. So keep it up, big dog. We, uh, the Sox definitely need you and us as fans need something to cheer about, uh, during a year that has not been promising so far, but it looks like it could turn the corner. Um, so now I'll jump into the guardian series a little bit, talk about what happened in Cleveland. I think Monday. I just want to really briefly go through it. The Sox just can't hit and they had momentum going into the series. They were 19 and 29, and then they lose three to nothing against the guardians, which was not fun to watch at all. They made Hunter Gaddis guy with over like an eight ERA look great. That guy had a six innings pitch and two hits against the white Sox, And I believe four strikeouts and only one walk. It's a great line for a guy who's really not known as a good pitcher. So of course a no name righty and he pitches well against the white Sox. That happens all the time. It's been happening that way for years. So uh, it's not surprising to me that, that, is something that happened in this game. Um, The White Sox had an opener because Mike Clevenger was supposed to pitch this game for the White Sox and he is their fifth starting pitcher. He is out with a wrist injury for about 15 days. So they had Jimmy Lambert start the game as an opener and Jesse Schultons actually pitched really well after Jimmy uh, left the game. He had five innings pitched and I actually thought he ate those innings very well for the White Sox. They really needed that. And he only gave up two hits, one earned run, one strikeout, and two walks, 2, two five ERA on the season for him. He has uh, three appearances. I mean, the guy, he should stay up here if he's pitching this well. He, he's mainly a long reliever-type cleanup or mop-up-type guy or just when you need somebody to eat innings. But he's doing it, and he's doing it well. And Crochet pitched and Santos pitched to end the game, but the Sox just couldn't hit. They ended up with three hits total on the game. And uh, they had no chance against Class A in the ninth inning. So that was uh, that was not fun to watch. But that all being said, on Monday, the White Sox won the last two games. So we'll jump into the fun stuff. On Tuesday, May 23rd, the White Sox won 4-2. to And they showed a lot of fortitude. All right, that was dumb. Um So Dylan Cease pitched. He pitched well. He was facing Logan Allen for the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Dylan Cease ended up with a line of six innings pitched, five hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts, and two walks. He has his earned run average at a 4.60 for the season. Uh, Kenyon Middleton came in and he pitched well again, one inning pitched, 1K, no hits. His ERA is a 1.76 on the year. Joe Kelly came in again. Uh, He actually gave up a triple this game, which is funny, but he was still blowing guys away. And Kendall Graven came in for the save. It was a great pitching performance for the White Sox. The hitting side of things, Yasmani Grandal hit a home run. It was his fourth of the year. And then in the top of the seventh, Andrew Benintendi doubles to give the Sox the lead 2-1. to And then... Uh, Romy Gonzalez doubles on a sharp line drive to left fielder, Steven Kwan. Now we are looking over to Wednesday where the Sox just dominated another great start by Michael Kopeck. The white Sox won six to nothing against the guardians. And that was an amazing game for Michael Kopech. It really was. He had a great game against the Royals where he was perfect uh, through six, I believe. And this game, he did not disappoint either. He only gave up two hits in seven innings, one walk, nine Ks. His ERA is now down to a 4 4 That doesn't give him justice the last few starts. He has been absolutely electric. Ronaldo Lopez and Lambert came in the, uh, to save the game, basically end the game the next two innings. But the Sox man pitching... And defense wins you championships and wins you games, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Uh, you know, for the White Sox, hitting wise, Tim Anderson drove in a run. Romy Gonzalez hit another double and scored three runs. Those were basically the key moments in the game, um, and and the Sox just took it to the Guardians. The, the uh, you know took it to the Guardians. The third and the fourth inning, they didn't really get any hits after that, but the Sox only had four hits on the game, but scored six runs. So great to see that there. I think the key performers in in this series was Cease and Kopech, two guys that you would hope the White Sox uh, would, you know, hope that they would lead the White Sox in. Future years as the one and two in a staff. I mean, those guys have electric stuff. If they both figure it out, these two guys could be your one and two pitcher on a pitching staff. Either one. I mean, I think Kopech would probably be a one at this point based on his stuff. But again, if he can't stay consistent, then then he, he can't do it. And I know I bashed him pretty good about all the, uh, you know, before these two great starts, I said, Hey, this guy might just be a reliever who knows. Well, instead he kind of shoved that in my face and he is going to be a great starting pitcher as of late. (laughs) And he's going to be one hopefully in the future. So we're super excited to see him shove like he did. And I think that was my main takeaway Kopech pitched well, Sees pitched well. The Sox didn't really hit that great, but they had key moments in that series where they did hit. So that's all that matters. You went two out of three. You head to Detroit where you need to win a series, hopefully three games to one in a four-game set. But man, oh man, they're on a roll. They won another series, and that's all you can hope for. I believe it's their third series win in a row. And yeah, man, I, I, I think... This team is definitely turning a corner and I'm interested to see what they do against the Detroit Tigers this weekend. Now jumping into the Tigers series, Detroit like I said is in second place in the division. Right now they are leading the White Sox still and I believe it is the 8th inning. So it's not looking good for the Sox. They're still down 5 to 2, but we will see what happens. It's baseball. I guess anything can happen at the end of a game. The Detroit Tigers we are going to talk about their lineup first. Okay. So this is a team that's really not that good offensively. Uh, they have Zach McKinstry. He's a second baseman. He was actually drafted by the Dodgers. Then he was on the Cubs, the Cubs. He was a big prospect on the Cubs. And then, um, now the Cubs traded him over to the Tigers in March of this year. So he's on the Tigers right now. Javi Baez, everybody knows who he is, being a Chicagoan. He is their shortstop. And again, he is not really that good. Uh, Riley Green, big rookie prospect. He was a rookie last year, um, got some of that rust off. He is their center fielder of the future, uh, just like their first baseman of the future, Spencer Torkelson. He had a very rough rookie year last year. He's trying to come out of it and have a better sophomore season. Nick Maton, their third baseman, his brother pitches for the Houston Astros. His brother used to be a relief pitcher on the Guardians. So Nick Maton, you might see him running around Uh, Matt Vierling, he was traded with Nick Maton from the Phillies to the Tigers this offseason. He plays right field. Miguel Cabrera, a very, very good player. Future Hall of Famer. Uh, He is their DH. He's having a rough, rough last season, but he is also 40 years old. Their left fielder, who I like a lot, is Akil Badu. I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, He was a rookie, I believe, a couple years back. And then their catcher is Jake Rogers. And Eric Haas is also a catcher for them too. So you'll see that name. Um, Jonathan scope is an infielder. He plays second base. He's on their bench. Andy Abanez is a bench guy for them as well. And Zach short is an outfield infield utility type guy. He, the Cubs traded him to the Tigers in uh, late August of 2020. So again, a lot of names that you guys probably won't know or, uh, you know, really won't know or care about (laughs) for the Tigers, but Javi Baez uh really hasn't he hasn't been great uh 3 home runs, 3 stolen bases, he has a 2.43 average, 2.94 on base and a 3.35 slugging percentage. So that's not going to do it. A uh, really good hitter for them right now is Riley Green. He's really turned it on and Spencer Spencer Torkelson is really not coming out and and hitting like they thought he would. Um him and Riley Green are both first round picks back-to-back years so they're really looking for those guys to be the future of this team Um, other than that i think zach mckentry is hitting pretty good but he only has 130 plate appearances on the year miguel cabrera oh man oh man he's betting 181 244 on base and a 217 slugging he does not have a home run this year kind of reminds me of jose abreu old guys can't hit anymore um, it's sad he's been in the league for 19 years. Uh, Mickey Cabs, I'd love to see him, even though he's in a Tiger uniform. Love to see him break out at the end, just like Pujols did. But right now it's looking like he shouldn't even be playing uh, in the league. So, rough to see him in his last year play the way he's been playing. But that's just the way it is. Um, starting rotation for the Tigers. Uh, today they had Fieto on the mound and he was facing off against Giolito. <clears throat> Lucas Giolito guys was really bad today. I think he had seven walks. Um, very, very, I mean, I, I want to say uncharacteristic, but he's really not that good of a pitcher in my opinion. And I've always said that, but he has been one of the socks, best pitchers this year. And that was a fact before Copac was going crazy. Okay. And same with, uh, same with Clevenger, uh, last few starts, he was pitching pretty good too. So I would say Giolito is just middle of the pack in this rotation, but he had seven walks today. He had six hits given up, a four ERA, uh, four earned runs, and three and two-thirds innings. ZRA is now at three nine eight on the year. Um, Santos came in, he shut the door down. Crochet, he did not look good at all either. He had four walks, only one hit, one earned run. Emerson Bummer's uh, pitched a third of an inning, too. So it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the series looks like. But right now it's the top of the eighth and um, Sox did not score. It is five to two Tigers and they're coming up to bat. So that was this game of the for the Sox, at least the Sox side. Um, Fioto for the Tigers. He pitched pretty good. Six innings, three hits, two earned runs and 10 strikeouts. The Sox have struck out 11 times this game. They're striking out a lot, but if they hit for power and hit extra base hits, I really don't care about the strikeouts. I don't think a lot of fans do either. Friday's matchup tomorrow. It's Lance Lynn with a three and five record and a six, two, eight ERA. He is facing off against their left-handed pitcher Wentz. I believe his first name is Jordan. No, Joey. I want to say Jordan Wentz. Joey Wentz. He is a lefty He has a seven four five ERA in nine games, a one-in-four win-loss record. Uh, He has not pitched well this year. I don't think he's a true starter for them either, Um, but again, it is – oh, no, he is. He's had nine starts. So, yeah, he's been one of their guys. Uh, He has not pitched well at all. Again, Tigers are fighting some injuries out of that uh, rotation. They have a few young guys that they thought were going to be top of the rotation guys that are just hurt for the rest of the year, like Casey Mize and um, Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal, Spencer Turnbull. All of those guys are their pitchers that they thought were going to be great. Now they have to throw together this kind of makeshift rotation, so that kind of sucks for them. Uh, On Saturday, pitching matchup for the White Sox, it's to be determined because that's Clevenger's spot, so we'll see what they do there. They're facing off against Michael Lorenzen, who's arguably one of the best pitchers on the Detroit Tigers. Um, He's had seven starts, 39 innings pitched, 37 hits, 31 strikeouts. He has a four Oh eight ERA. So that's not great, but that's middle of the road type guy. And on Sunday, the last game of the series, Dylan Cease will face off against the Tigers best pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez. He has a two one nine ERA and 10 game start 61 and two thirds innings, only 45 hits and 61 strikeouts. He has been great. Um, so hopefully the White Sox can beat on this lefty. He is another lefty arm uh thrower, a lefty arm thrower, another guy who throws lefty. So let's hope the Sox can beat him up. Uh they have a right-handed dominant lineup, so I would hope that Jake Berger and all those type of guys can mash against Eduardo Rodriguez. Well, that's pretty much a little kind of preview of that series. I'm not too hyped up against about any of the teams the Sox play in the AL Central because none of the teams are miraculously good. I know these games are very important for the Sox to climb up the standings. So the Sox really need the win three out of four in this series Um, to, to think and hope to hope for a sweep is one thing, but to expect sweeping these bad teams, it's the Sox are not good enough to really expect that and expecting a sweep in major league baseball is silly because Anybody can beat anybody um, except the athletics can't really beat anybody right now. So I guess that <laughs> what I just said does not refer to the Oakland A's who are, will be the Vegas athletics or if they rebrand something else, but um, yeah, that's about it guys. I really appreciate you listening to me kind of mumble around here, but I just wanted to give you some stats about who the Sox are facing against the Tigers. Uh, we recapped a little bit of the guardian series, came up with some news for you guys And, uh, George will be joining me on Sunday night and we'll talk about, you know, the season that was with the tigers. I hope everybody has a good weekend. I'll be partying it up at a wedding. Then we got Memorial day on Monday. It's supposed to be beautiful. It always is on Memorial day. You guys enjoy that day. It's going to be a great time, but I will talk to you guys on Sunday. Everybody have a great weekend and let's go socks.